0: Hello and welcome to the Surface Tension Podcast. My name is Alex. My co-host over here is Craig. We are going to be exploring deep questions and looking for deep answers to spiritual questions and questions about life in general. We're happy to have you here. And here we go.
1: Hi, welcome to our podcast. Um, The question I asked you just a few minutes ago was so intriguing in such a basic way. I said, How are you doing? And yes. And if I ask you who are listening to this, how are you doing? What I would be most curious to know is immediately where did your mind go? Because it seems like there are categories that our mind instantly goes through to evaluate, how am I doing? Yes what do you think some of those categories are that people usually take? What, what categories do you, um, you know, in a nanosecond explore, gosh, how am I doing?
0: Health relationships, finances, um, spiritual life, uh, just blast through those categories, and take a high level view. Um, no, I would say probably I'd, I'd categorize into four major pillars which is uh, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, that those would be kind of what was propping up uh, the roof over my head. Uh, How high that roof is on any given day or whether it's level is a very different story. But that would probably be the measuring stick. If I'm being totally forthright and not, Exceptionally measured in my response if I was mm-hmm. just shooting from the hip, which I oh, good. so often do here.
1: Do you think we also have a primary category that we just, our minds often just drift to one category to classify how we're really doing?
0: Probably depends on the person and what they've been devoting most of their attention to. If you talk to a couple who's struggling in their marriage, I'm sure each of them would go straight there and evaluate where they're at based on standing on such sharp ground. Uh, If somebody were really struggling with their finances, maybe that would be the default place. Um, If somebody were in a state of really poor health, give the extreme example of somebody had stage three, stage four cancer. I think that would be the cloud that would paint. How are you? You know, it's interesting to ask people that question how are you and mean it in not in the rehearsed hey how's it going which will inevitably elicit the response of like yeah pretty good Fine. like how are you All right and then it's a very quick conversation but a meaningful how are you boy does that lead down yeah. the garden path um because
1: if you really care they might say something that can tease out one of the categories that might be doing exceedingly well or exceedingly poor.
0: Yeah,
1: and that's a a good thing. And to me, it kind of spills into the question: What if we really knew how we were doing? <laughs>
0: <Because, laughs> Self awareness city population zero. It feels like sometimes.
1: Yeah, I mean, how, how do we really know? Because we have kind of chosen these categories. Maybe society has given us these categories. Oh, you're doing, you're doing. Very poorly because you're not comparing well to other people in these areas and, oh, and then we feel horrible about ourselves, right? How, how, what would happen if we really knew how we were doing?
0: That's a great question. I think we can get arrested in thinking about how we're doing rather than and that that robs us of the experience of being a lot of the time yes i would say is ruminating of how am i doing how am i doing how am i doing yes um that can that can be a decent exercise for orienting ourselves but if it's crippling and paralyzing that's a different category i know that happens to me a very good point i'm i'm oftentimes uh arrested in thought and that prevents me from uh, connecting with myself connecting with god connecting with others and being in a space of heaviness mm. yeah
1: and it would also if we spend too much time in that that zip code it's we're going to say gosh i'm not doing well here and here and what do i need to do and all of a sudden now we've are spending more time not just evaluating and Feeling in this invisible grade book that we've given ourselves, we're trying to figure out how we can do extra credit and how we can gain in areas that we might not even um, should pursue. Maybe we shouldn't be pursuing kind of more extra credit in certain areas like this. Maybe that's not really a critical path to how we're doing and how we can do better.
0: Is asking the question, "How are you doing?" Is that the best question to ask somebody if you'd really like to know how they're doing? Or is that question not enough because of the way that we have learned to rehearse the answer as a passing pleasantry?
1: No, I I don't think it's probably the best question. But for our society, if we ask the best question, we'll probably get some cross-eyed, strange head tilting looks uh, from people. Because I love to ask. You've heard this. Maybe we've even talked about that here. I love the question. How's your heart doing? Because now all of a sudden, someone
0: we have a friend who hates that question. I,
1: oh, yeah, I probably know that friend. But you sure do. Um, the the question. Um. What does your soul need to hear right now? Oh, Craig.
0: Time out. Okay. Please ask that again.
1: What does what your soul need to hear right now? See, to me, those questions create space for the healthy valuation. Uh, where, where am I at? What do I need? Who can bring that?
0: I am just. In a beautiful place of contemplation, as a direct result of that question, what does your soul need to hear right now? Mm -hmm. I won't be able to shake that question for quite some
1: time. We'll sit with it for a minute, but I also want to hear what your answer would be. Again, we talk about these questions, but the value is not just in the question, it's in... Where it transported our heart, our mind, our soul? Where did it take you? Because the question is intriguing, but if it's just an intriguing question, we could write it on a post it and leave it somewhere and nod at it once a day and go, oh, that's an interesting question. But if we acknowledge where the question took us, that's different.
0: It took me to a complex place where I don't know if I tell you, my mind wasn't racing, it wasn't searching. There was, um, I just put myself in an imaginary space of peace, yeah, and I felt it. That was my experience. I could see it. That was my experience of I saw that. A
1: little. I saw a little boy that looked kind of curious, intrigued, joyful, and at peace. Yeah, that was kind of fun to be able to see that in your body.
0: Yeah. So it's. I mean that. What, what would that make me feel if my soul were at peace? I mean, how would that translate to how I looked, how I felt? What, what does that change about the way people perceive me? I mean, what does my soul need need to hear today? You're already in a peaceful place and you're just not looking. Mm.
1: Mm. Mm. Explain that. Unpack that a little bit.
0: I'm finding plenty of reasons to not be peaceful. Mm. I'm quite good at it. We all are. Yeah, We all are. There are areas in my life where I have never been better, but I'm not looking at those spaces very much i'm definitely focused on the have nots and that sucks right yeah it does <laughs> <laughs> um, what does my soul need to hear today in order to help me feel more at ease and more at peace cuz i think that might be the goal is how can my soul feel like it's where it's supposed to be. Hmm. How can my soul feel centered
1: hmm.
0: and not off kilter, not slightly imbalanced? What a, what a crummy feeling that is, you know, say you're somebody who's going to church every Sunday, but you don't feel like the person that you want to be. Hmm. Can can people identify with that? I would oh, imagine word, so. I
1: imagine so many. I can. I mean, we all can. <laughs> that it's um, there's frequent nagging from from our soul. <laughs> and I loved what you said. What I heard you say, and correct me if I'm wrong. What I heard you say is, um, your soul needs to hear peace is in the house, but you you keep inviting agitation and chaos in. Right recognize the peace that God has brought into this house?
0: Peace feels very unnatural to me. Yeah. As I'm sure it does for a lot of people. And that's a product of a great many things, but I would say we can trace that back to when we were children. Yep. And depending on what your environment might've looked like, what my environment looked like, You know, on the outside looking in, I would think that most people are like, yeah, Alex has got it pretty pretty easy, like as a kid. And I would have described myself as just being your typical kid, but it was only in my mid-late 20s that I'm like, wait a second. My baseline is more in the direction of dysfunction than harmony. And when I am pulled into a place of stillness and harmoniousness, that feels foreign to me and I reject it. And I would rather retreat to what I know than to dwell in something that is uncomfortable despite it being good.
1: Yes, that's very well said.
0: I guess I, I think a lot of people can identify with that. We're busy all the time. Many relationships are strained. Um, I'll say that in my own life. I've got plenty of strained relationships, no shortage there. <laughs> um, and that feels natural. And I wouldn't know what to do with myself if everything was going exceptionally well. That prompts me to want to um self-destruct and uh, and self-sabotage yep, to get myself back in a place of proper dysfunction
1: right. What's well, funny how if our soul doesn't feel peace and rest, we will actually manufacture external circumstances to match that chaos in our soul and we create or maybe we've just Craig, do you do this? Do I do what?
0: Manufacture unrest in your soul? Yes. Yeah. What does that look like? Be specific.
1: Um, I think sometimes we can um, hyper monitor little areas that are of no consequence in our life. <laughs> Give me an example. Um, success, right? How successful are we? Um, how happy are our kids? uh we start doing that and we can quickly i i'm a quick uh, catastrophic thinker and so all it takes is something very small <laughs> to make my mind spill out and create chaos that can can match the internal state of of my heart
0: so you're saying sometimes you're too zoomed in find dysfunction and then it spills out into other areas of your life.
1: Yeah. But I'm also, I've I've been at this for a while. I still struggle with it, but I have grown in this area. I'd, I was watching a movie with a friend the other day and he somebody was screaming at someone else and and he pauses the movie and he's like, When's the last time that you screamed like that? And I said, Two weeks ago on the soccer field at a referee. And he Great. and he's like, That's not what I meant. He's like, When's the last time you scream like that at another person? And I'm like that's just not me. I'm just not wired there. It doesn't make me any better. It's just my journey has gone, gone a different way. Too much of a people pleaser probably to scream. Mm. And so, um, to me, um, I probably create more chaos in my external world, moving away from conflictual situations, um, that I should address mm. that creates more chaos. Um, so,
0: Ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, as they say.
1: Yeah, but we all do it. Th- that's why this. this state what of our two? Soul.
0: What two things are going the absolute best in your life right now?
1: What two things? Yes. Uh, I I think my daughters are on fantastic tracks. You know, it's Simeon in the New Testament once he saw once he saw this baby Jesus who is going to be the savior of Israel and the whole world. He had this famous prayer. Now you can dismiss your servant. And I kind of feel like I'm at a place in my life where I'm like, I see my daughters on this track of where they are and where they're heading. And I feel like (laughs) I, my, my soul's at peace with them being okay. They're The trajectory is just brings my heart joy and where they're at. This is
0: a terrible thought, but what if they weren't okay? What if they weren't okay? Yeah. What would that do for you and to you more to you than for you?
1: What would certainly change my prayer life, um, from more gratitude to more supplication (laughs) for, for them. What would it do to me? I probably have anchored too much of my identity in, in that, in their, um, the way they are moving through life, and there could come a day where I discover that the, they felt pressure from that. Anytime we're expecting too much from something, we've made an idol of something that's good, whether it's family or work or health, all these buckets we talked about, our mind, when those things become idols, they take a disproportionate um, place in our soul. Well, let's get back to the soul talk. And it, it doesn't belong there. And when that we value that thing too much, it creates havoc.
0: So let's strike out the first example you gave. What are the next two best things going on in your life?
1: Are you going to deconstruct those two? <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I think it's just. I think it's interesting if we if we take our number one thing, yeah, off the pedestal. I think that invites more of a searching space because it's easy yeah. to find what is in the number one or the number two spot, but two and three is a little bit trickier. So it's three and four. So it's four and five. If we tried to itemize and go down the list and say, what if I just had four and five and one, two and three weren't there, would I still be living a full life? Would I still feel whole? That I think is an interesting thought exercise.
1: Yeah, it's very good. No, I'm just, I'm thinking about that because I'm, I'm going down two, three, four, and five as I might number them well, and this journey is a challenging one because we're we're both celebrating the good things, but we're also kind of identifying cautions of places that might have overvalue. Number two for me was um. I'm thankful for the way God seems to have been using me lately in the lives of other people, being able to hear, being able to share, being yes. able to just be a conduit of um, God's goodness, his love, his grace, a different operating system. I use that word a lot. Mm-hmm. And sharing something and I'll, across the table, having coffee with someone, and then hearing a minute of silence, which is a very long time, and then someone with tears welling up in their eyes saying, "This." This could change everything. I'm thankful for those moments. Mm. I'm thankful for God using me to create space because I I saw hope. I saw change. I saw health all in that, in this, in this one moment. And I love that. And on the corollary, sometimes I can get my identity too much from being useful.
0: That's great awareness.
1: And so, one of my i and I learned this a little bit earlier in my journey, but I still can wrestle with that because if if I don't sense that I am being useful for God, for the kingdom, for my family, whatever it may be, um, I can start getting agitated, frustrated, spilling out having strange strange just this anxiety because my soul, and again, That's just a little indicator, ah, there's something taking up residence in my soul that really shouldn't be there. (laughs) Well, does God
0: want to use you even when you feel useless?
1: Well, now that's a loaded question. It sure is. Does God want to use me? Um,
0: Or does God use you even when you feel useless? Is he using you? Is Craig Morris a conduit? even when you don't realize it, or even when you think you're incapable of being a conduit, when you would qualify yourself as being at your worst, can you still be helpful? And in that moment when you're at your worst, I know this is a long question. What does your soul need to hear to get you back to feeling like Yourself, yeah. so there's a lot of questions built into that. So these
1: are great questions. I'll tell you exactly where it took me. The using the word using just, I know I <laughs> utilized that word um, a couple minutes ago when I told the story. I love the fact that God uses me, mm-hmm. but the way you said it triggered something interesting in my in my mind because I don't think the chief thing that God wants is to use me. I think you think about a catastrophic failure and God, can God still use me? If I go to the father in that moment and plea, Hey, can you still use me? He said, ah, that's not the right question. That's not the right question. To, to me, I go to the father and I say, do you still want me? Mm. Am am I am I still okay? Can I still be in your in your house? Um is is this disqualified me from being in your courts, the David said <laughs> is better to have one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. And for me the relational component of God saying, I don't want to use you, I want you is and has been a big shift in my life in my journey with God, because I've spent most of my life trying to be useful for God and trying to earn something that has already been earned for me. In some ways, I can put myself in a competition with Jesus. Jesus. Jesus earned this right standing with the Father and being able to come with confidence and joy into a loving Heavenly Father's presence. He's brought health. He's brought healing there. And for some reason, rather than accepting that, And being grateful for that and walking in that, I've tried to create my own path of saying, well, thank you, Jesus, but I am going to go over here Mm. and be so useful that I'm going to be somehow welcomed on my own terms. And I think Jesus is that loving brother is like, okay, you can try.
0: Useful versus available. Yes. That's interesting. It is. That is fascinating. <laughs> it is. How available are we? Yeah. Versus hey. how useful are we? What if we started asking that question?
1: Available. Fantastic. I love that. And it reminds me of a sermon I heard uh, a little while ago, and I've never noticed this before, but um, in the garden with Adam and Eve, God tells him, don't eat from this, the fruit of this tree. Dirty trick. Right. <laughs> don't, don't. Wet paint. Right. Here it is. Uh, don't eat from this fruit. Um and the pastor went on to explain that um God didn't say why. He didn't give them the why. He just wanted them to to obey without the why. And he went on to also unpack the fact that we can be very pragmatic in our, in our obedience. Hey, don't do this because this will be bad for you. Don't, be, don't do this because this will be the consequence. Uh, make sure you do this. And we can unpack all of those things. Oh, okay, that makes complete sense. Now I have an obedience that comes out of a utility value of it being really better for me to do that rather than because that's going to make the heart of God happy because that's going to keep us close relationally. Hmm. And that was his contention that God just wants us to obey because he told us to. Is it going to be good for us in the end? Absolutely. But if we're doing obedience because it's going to be good for us in the end, then are we not just using God to get what we really want?
0: Isn't that a question and a half? Are we using God to get what we want? That's tough to to separate. That requires a whole lot of uh, isolation, sequestration, contemplation. Yeah. That requires a journal. I think. Yeah. Is figuring out am I God and just or just asking the question in prayer? You say, God, give it to me straight. Have I been using you mm-hmm. to to get what I want? And then you just wait and you'll get some kind of answer. Yeah. You'll get some kind of answer, but that's a scary question to ask. Mm-hmm. Because it's putting yourself on the spot in a way that maybe your soul might need to hear, but your mind doesn't want to hear it.
1: Yeah. And s- scary and beautiful at the same time because if that answer is yes and I'm missing out on some of the biggest parts of life and connecting with God, I'm, I'm playing the wrong game. I'm functioning. I'm. I, it's, it's not going to go well for me. It's not going to go well for my relationships. And sometimes, I love what you said, pull out a journal, go to God in prayer. I love that. And sometimes when we do that, he'll make us just glance back at our biggest frustrations and disappointments over the last couple of years. And see where we may have shook shaken our fists at God saying, Why didn't you do this for me? Because that's where we'll see the places where God's saying, Okay, do you want that or do you want me? Hmm. So what 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 what's more important? If you if you have me. And you wanted that, and you didn't get that, and you just wanted me to bring you that, and now you're all twisted up. It's uh, Jonah again, right? Ah, that you grew up this, this leaf, and I had shade, and I love that, and now I want to die. And God's like, well, okay, really? You don't want me? You'd rather have shade and comfort? You'd rather have success? You'd rather have what you want than me? Okay, but it's not going to go well for you.
0: How many healthy relationships in an earthly sense have you experienced
1: in your life? Very, very good question. And obviously, we have to define our terms (laughs) healthy relationships.
0: Um, Why do you think I went there? Why do you think I asked that question?
1: Most of the time, People ask, there's three reasons why people ask questions, if you want to know. Yeah, go ahead. (laughs) People ask questions, um, one, um, because they have something to say. Number two, because they want to change the topic and not keep talking about what was spoken of previously. I'm
0: hoping that reason number three is like positive intention. Uh,
1: Number three is that someone's really interested in the answer.
0: I I would say this is a category number three one.
1: Category number three. Again, and I'm sorry for making simple questions so complex, (laughs) but when you say a healthy relationship, my mind just goes in a million places, and I say, oh, there's been a lot of places where I say, well, maybe that wasn't healthy, and, oh, maybe I didn't quite get what I wanted here. Well, all right, am I allowing for people to be human and give me what they can? Am I knowing that healthy sometimes is uncomfortable because some of the healthiest relationships I've had have been some of the most difficult because it's been people who are willing to say things to me that I didn't want to hear and take me places where I didn't want to go. Mm -hmm. That's healthy. And so if my flesh is analyzing the health of relationships, I'm just going to be filtering people who make me happy do what i want them to do and make my soul feel bigger brighter lighter but health is a very different thing and i i think i've probably been blessed with uh, more healthy relationships than than the average person
0: well i'm just i'm still stuck on your question of you know are we using god to get what we want and do those things that we want feel more real than a healthy relationship with God? Then the question becomes what does the healthiest relationship with God look like? That's obviously, we've got a pretty strong model for that in yes. Jesus. Yes. But we, I know I learn when behavior is modeled for me and I am. Somebody who needs to learn something multiple, 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 multiple times, unfortunately. And so beyond studying the Bible, how do we seek out great models of healthy relationships that are God-centered so that not only our relationship with God is improved, but our human relationships are improved. If you were to look for a relational guide other than the Bible, and this might be oxymoronic, um, where would you go? Is there a relationship that you know of in an earthly sense that you admire?
1: A relationship?
0: Yeah. That you see two people, uh, whether it's a friendship, a romantic relationship, or otherwise, have have you have you ever seen a relationship like that and said, "This they've got things figured out."
1: Yes. Well, <clears throat> yeah, I have.
0: And so, why why was it? Why did it stand out to you? Why did that relationship stand out to you?
1: Because I uh, I'll tell you a quick story. And again, this is. One of my college roommates, um, we were just out of college, two years out of college. It was a long time ago. Um, he got married early. We went to the East Coast to visit him. And uh, I saw he and his wife. He, he loves her. He's captivated by her. He serves her. And there were just so many great qualities of this. While well, I was sitting in the backseat of their car, and they we stopped to get some money. They went to an ATM. She runs back. And um, she came back in the car. I don't know what, what the problem was, but then they started getting into this argument that was very animated, back and forth between the two of them. I'm sitting in the back seat, and my st- my heart starts beating fast, and I'm like, oh my goodness, they're going to get a divorce. <laughs> wow. Because <laughs> f- f- that's where where I went. Boy, arguments equal disruption, a relationship, which means ends of a relationship, and so I just watched wide eyed as the two of them just discussed and expressed. And then they resolved it and we went to dinner and these two people were unaffected by the earlier conversation. And I was like, huh, I've never seen anything like that before. Wow. I always thought arguments meant the end of a relationship. I always thought conflict was doomed to destruction. And they modeled for me something that I had never seen before. And that was the ability to have a disagreement and to have tension that could be resolved and possibly even bring two people closer rather than further apart.
0: That is healthy, but it doesn't sound pleasant.
1: No. And that's why I think we have to be careful with the definition of health. When we have health, because I think too often we say, "Oh, this person's healthy for me." Um, Target Woods recently played in a golf tournament, and they were saying, "Hey, you know what's what's helping you?" And he said, "I just have nothing but positive people around me." Mm. Which who, who raise your hand if you want to have nothing but positive people around you? Yeah, <laughs> that's fantastic. Sign I me love up. That. That's right. Sign me up. Is that healthy?
0: Mm. Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe you need that one negative person to be Maybe. like, Tiger, you're no good sometimes.
1: <laughs> well, I don't even know if it's no good, but if if we don't have people that we trust enough to share um, how they're experiencing us or growth, a growth point for us in love, someone who it's tough to say something because they, they're they not enjoying it. It's not like, hey, this is going to be bring me great joy to tell you what a jerk you are. But people who say, I love you enough that There's information that I need to share with you that is is going to be helpful. And I will continue to love you. And I am committed to you. And I'm committed to walking with you regardless of whether you solve this little glitch in your heart and life or not.
0: What does my soul need to hear today? Probably a direct message from God saying... I will be patient with you as you learn how to love, yeah that might be it. What does your soul need That's to hear today?
1: One. Well, I think for me, one of and I may have mentioned this on a prior prod podcast.
0: That means it's important then.
1: Um, Believing that I'm okay and things are going to be okay is a huge watershed issue for me. And not all of my life, because I've dealt with shame and this not enoughness, I need to be betterness, and all of that has utility value. I need to be better. I need to be enough. And um, just being okay in who I am and knowing that my future is going to be okay are, is enormously important. And so if my soul can experience, I'm okay, not because of all these categories we looked at earlier, because of my ministry success or my children and how they're on a good trajectory or the health of my relationship with my wife. If I don't look to any of those, but if I look to, the only reason I'm okay is because God loves me and he has decided I am okay. Okay. <laughs> worthy enough to send his son to die for me. And my future is okay, not because I have uh, controlled my world enough that everything I know is going to be guaranteed okay, but because he is the one who is writing the story and I can trust him with that story. That's what my soul needs to hear yesterday and today and tomorrow.
0: what does your soul need to hear today? Ask yourself that if you're listening to this, it's a interesting space. Yeah. Ask this question to someone else and see where that conversation goes. Um, I always feel blessed, lucky, um, grateful that I get to have these deep conversations with you. And if you're listening to this, like this is totally accessible to you. It, I hope that you take the opportunity to find that person who's willing to play games with you in a spiritual way and and for the the intent of lighting each other uh, ablaze and bringing that light out into the world, there is yes. Such positivity that comes from yes. asking each other good questions and spending time with, uh, with people who you care about and yes. who care about you back.
1: So well said. There, there's, if we identify some of the needs in our soul and we look to God to fill those, now all of a sudden our, our eyes can be open to, there are people around me who have soul needs as well that I can help solve. Maybe someone just needs to have a I was able to encourage someone the other day this I met a really fascinating wonderful person with a great heart and I wanted to encourage them and I said, you know, I love superhero movies <laughs> and um especially the Avengers one and I keep coming time and time again to the fact that these these superheroes they have their individual powers right but that's usually not their greatest power their greatest power is typically hope hmm and I shared that with this person. I said, "You know, you you have a superpower too, and it's hope, because you somehow are instilling hope in every person's life that you touch around you, Amazing. and that is a beautiful thing. So thank you for doing that. And um, I I don't know what his soul needs to hear, but he is a bringer of hope and light uh, to the people around him. And I thought that was a a fun thing. And boy, we hope you." enjoyed our podcast today. We hopped around a lot of different places. How are you doing? How do we know how we're really doing? What if we knew? And maybe more importantly, what what does my soul need to hear today? And maybe even as you suggested, take that as a question to God. God, maybe you know better even than I do what my soul needs to hear today. I'm just going to create some space to be quiet, let you fill that with yourself. And thank you for joining us on our podcast today.